0: It's physically demanding, it's mentally demanding, and when things like this happen, whether it's a pandemic or financial crashes, all of which greatly affect your business, you have to be really, really creative and be willing to do whatever it takes to stay afloat during that time.
1: This is Still Here, a podcast from WFAE that asks What does resiliency look and feel like to you? And how have you felt and been impacted by the COVID-19 pandemic? We're just
0: each day just trying to wake up and go to work and make it successful for that day, you know, and, and if we just keep doing that, then hopefully it's gonna evolve how it needs to.
1: What helped you overcome challenges you faced? And what did you do to cope? It's just still
0: something to look forward to, thinking about what life is opening up to me at this point. And, you know, we're gonna have children and, you know, I've not had kids before and. So that's really exciting to think about that
1: chapter. I'm Sarah D'Elia. In today's story, we hear from a Charlotte restaurant owner about the loss of closing her business after over 30 years and the personal gains in love and family. 57-year-old Bonnie Warford and her sister Tricia have leaned on each other since they were kids. That continued as they took turns caring for their other sister, Susan, who was battling cancer. During that time, there wasn't anything on my mind but that, to be honest with you. It's a warm April day in Midwood Park, as Bonnie reflects back on that time. Everything was put on pause. It was only when Susan passed away in October of 2019 of metastatic lung cancer that Bonnie started to think about herself again.
0: Started thinking, okay, I'm going to get back to thinking healthily and get back to my life. Then COVID happened. (laughs) So that kind of thwarted things. And then as COVID
1: stretched on... I was like, I need something positive. We need positive things to happen. Before they could get to the positive, Bonnie and Trisha would have to fare through a pandemic no one was planning for. The sisters owned Carpe Diem for over 30 years, a fine dining restaurant on Elizabeth Avenue. Tricia loved the kitchen side of things, and Bonnie was drawn to the front of the house.
0: I implicitly trust her, so that was never a worry, which is really nice. And, you know, just you always know someone's got your back.
1: They continued to have each other's backs when the restaurant closed in March of 2020, and while their chef and longtime staff members left.
0: So basically we're going to restock the entire restaurant, then we're going to train the sh- a new chef, and then we're going to hire a new manager and new staff. It's going to be like opening a new restaurant with completely different people.
1: The restaurant had no outdoor seating and takeout ordering was a challenge. Honestly, fine dining doesn't translate well to takeout.
0: Who wants to get a filet, medium rare, get it home, and by the time they get it home, it's medium well,
1: or you know, it's cold, it's just too expensive of food. They decided it made more sense to pay out the rest of their lease than to reopen. So that's what we did. We just
0: decided I'd rather lose money than work hard to lose money. So we just paid rent for those seven months.
1: Financially, it was the right decision. Emotionally, she says, it was a weird way to say goodbye. She had figured when they were ready to retire, they'd be selling the business, not closing because of a global pandemic. Even under normal circumstances... Running a restaurant is not for the faint of heart. You need endurance, Bonnie says. You need to be resourceful and resilient in good times and in bad.
0: I mean, we've taken out equity lines on our houses, uh, you know, during the financial thing, 2007, we both did that. We've juggled credit cards at some point, you know, and just transferred balances. I mean, that's what all small business people go through, I think.
1: And they would have done it all again, Bonnie says. But after over 30 years and not knowing when the pandemic would end, they had to ask themselves, at what cost? In this case, resiliency was knowing when to stop. You can't change COVID and you can't control a pandemic. So
0: it just seemed like we could have done it, but we would have come out in a lot of debt and we just weren't willing to do that. Not at this point. What I would tell other people is, that's how you have to operate your business every day. Like you're gonna close. You know, like if you look at it, like if something else like the pandemic happened, which we all know now it could at any time,
1: um, you know, are you prepared to be lean? The decision didn't come lightly, but it definitely came with a plan. Bonnie and Tricia own Earl's Grocery. They opened it in 2014. It's located some 200 feet away from Carpe Diem. With the closure of Carpe Diem, they shifted their focus to Earl's, which offers prepared food to go. Bonnie played with the menu and added more conventional grocery items to go alongside the specialty finds Earl's is known for. Earl's has takeout options and outdoor seating. It could adapt to the new pandemic world in a way Carpe Diem just couldn't. And that adaptability is something Bonnie's reflected on for herself. In between the time her sister Susan passed away in late 2019 and before the pandemic hit Charlotte, Bonnie was shedding her caretaker role and thinking about her future. She knew she wanted to propose to her partner Emily, who had made it clear Bonnie would have to be the one to do the asking. Emily had pursued Bonnie. Now it was Bonnie's turn.
0: She said, okay, well, that took like four months to get you to even pay attention, so you get to propose.
1: Bonnie realized as the pandemic rolled into 2021, she needed something positive to look forward to, and that she didn't need to wait for the pandemic to end to have that. Emily is originally from Louisiana and loves the culture, especially how people celebrate life and community. What better way to propose, Bonnie thought, than to have a surprise, socially distant Mardi Gras-inspired parade that would end with her popping the big question. On February 6th, a group of about 50 friends gathered in Midwood Park, right where this interview took place, dressed in colorful costumes. Unbeknownst to Emily, her mom even flew out to be a part of the parade. While everyone slowly began to march towards Bonnie's house, Bonnie tried to play it cool.
0: I was very nervous because I just wanted everything to go correctly. And I heard the band like in the faint distance of course she hadn't heard it at this point because she wasn't looking for it and then um, as it got louder she was like what is going on and she like looked out the window couldn't see anything
1: led by the cajun band the carolina gator gumbo the group walked the several blocks from the park to bonnie's home which was decked out with lights and a large tree in the front yard was covered in purple green and gold beaded necklaces and then she went to the front door and she was like oh there's a parade
0: coming down the street come outside She thought that it was just somebody else in the neighborhood who loved Mardi Gras. So she just started dancing in the front yard and was completely oblivious. (laughs) And I was standing behind her just laughing honestly and just knowing what was about to happen. And then everybody kind of came up and they stopped in front of the house. She was like, oh, I think I knew that guy. And I was like, I think you know everybody
1: who's here. In a video from one of their friends, the group stops in front of their home. And you can see Emily starts to realize something's up. Looking at the crowd, then Emily, Bonnie says, they're here to celebrate our love. And
0: I'll um, spend the rest of my life. <laughs>
1: And those cheers are definitely happy ones. Near the big beaded Mardi Gras tree, the couple hug. Emily says yes, the music starts back up, and the party continues.
0: I did ask Emily after I did, I said, normally a proposal would be so intimate, like for having it in front of so many people. She said, no, it was perfect. Like I can't, it was so me, like just everything I love about, you know, Mardi Gras and and friends and family. And so it was kind of perfect.
1: Sometimes resiliency is knowing when to stop. It's feeling proud of a 30-year-old business and knowing if you keep pushing, you won't be able to stay afloat. It's knowing it's time to move on to other ventures. And sometimes resiliency is taking a step into the future, allowing yourself to feel the good, to have something to look forward to. Sometimes it's about seizing the day, holding loss in one hand and love in the other. I'm Sarah D'Elia. This is Still Here. If you have a story idea for Still Here, email me at sdalia at wfae.org. Find me on Twitter at Sarah WFAE, and that's Sarah with an H. Still Here is produced and reported by me and edited by Greg Collard. Our theme music was composed and produced by Patrick Bowden and Patrick Lee. Together, they make Patrick Otto. Our really beautiful logo was made by Matthew Scott. Learn more about the series at wfae.org/stillhere. Subscribe anywhere you find podcast. Still Here is powered by Ortho Carolina. Thanks for listening.